Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. We were looking at this passage a couple of weeks ago. And we just got over in the edge of it. And we're talking about faith. And, uh, well, let's, let's read our, our text here. And we're going to come back in a few minutes and we're going to put this verse in context and bring out something maybe that, that you've not seen, uh, possibly. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. I made this statement last uh, two weeks ago, and I've never made this statement before, never really thought about it until I was in the pulpit two weeks ago. A lot of people, I think, I, I absolutely see this, that a lot of people who have heard the message and the truth of faith in God and what it really means to believe God and how to how to live by faith and so forth. They call it the faith message. It's really just faith in God's word. But there are a lot of people, and I think this is the problem. I think a lot of people see the truth that we emphasize concerning faith that it's sort of a subset of the Christian life. You know, I, uh, my wife was talking about earlier how we were raised you know, growing up in church, <clears throat> we had a good we had a good church background, and I and I'm grateful for the heritage that I that I grew up in. But we weren't really taught about living by faith. Now we sang living by faith, living by faith in Jesus above. You remember that song? Trusting, abiding in His dear in His great love, safe from all. From all, from all harm safe in his sheltering arms, living by faith, and I feel no alarm. We sang about living by faith, but faith in that, that the context of that song in our lives, the faith was faith for salvation. That's what that song was about. I'm trusting in him and his love and abiding in him. So, so we were taught living by faith in Jesus and in Christ and in God for our salvation. But we weren't taught about living by faith for everything else in life. Because for most everything else in life, we just did like our neighbors did. Just, you know, went through life, just, you know, chopping our way through and fighting and, and, and doing everything we could in the natural to survive, not really knowing what belonged to us. So we really didn't know about living by faith. So my, here's, here's what, I, what I think has happened is a lot of people come from a background like that, which most Christians came from a background of, in some degree like that, depending, I mean, regardless of your denominational background. You came over into a church like ours where we're, we're emphasizing faith and it's easy to begin after a while to get, to let the message sort of glaze over, your eyes sort of glaze over, I should say, and you no longer hear it anymore because it's just a message. 
And like I said, it's, it, it, it unconsciously, I think a lot of people think that faith is sort of a subset, sort of a, 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 a parenthesis or, or, or a side note, maybe what might be the way to say it, a side note to the Christian faith is not the real thing. But you see, God raised up the message of faith and brought revelation concerning true faith in God and what it means to live by faith. He, he raised it up for the last generation of the church right before Jesus comes. Because this is how we are going to accomplish our mission. It's how we're going to fulfill the plan of God for our lives. You're not going to fulfill God's plan if you don't know how to live by faith in, in, in more than your basic salvation. I would dare say that in this auditorium, and we have kind of a slack crowd today, but I would, I would dare say in this auditorium, in this crowd today, there are more than one or two, maybe quite a few people who on a daily basis, week in and week out, go through most of your days and you really aren't believing God for things. You don't have particular things that you're actually uh, trusting God and, and, and operating the principles of faith to bring those things to pass. You're just sort of cruising through life and like I described earlier, just doing it on your own. It's, it's interesting that faith for salvation is something that you don't consciously exercise all the time because you, you are saved. You've already received your salvation. When I'm hurting in my body and I believe God like I have to often like the rest of you do. And I believe God for the healing of a particular ailment in my body. When my healing comes, the next day I don't get up and start believing God for that healing again. Jesus said, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Once you have them, you don't need to believe you receive them anymore because you have them. We have our salvation purchased through the blood of Jesus, his death, burial, and, and, and resurrection. We, have, we, we believed on him. Now we have our salvation, so we're not actively believing for salvation. Now I understand that, that we maintain our belief in God. That's something we maintain. But it's not something that we are transacting anymore. Do you follow me? The transaction's been done. So... So to, to, to live, to say, well, I'm living by faith in Christ. Yeah, but what are you believing him for? Or, or, or is, is there anything else in your life that you're trusting him for? Are you trusting him for specific answers to prayer? If you're not, you're not living by faith. You're not living by faith. You're living by your own wits and your own abilities, and your own resources. This scripture says, for the just shall live by faith. I made this statement. You entered the faith life, whether you like it or not. When you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what did you do when you heard the gospel? You believed it. 
you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and according to Romans 10, if you, if you confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will, excuse me, you will be saved. That's how people get saved. They believe on the Lord and confess him as Lord. It could have come about by saying, I take, I believe Jesus is Lord. That kind of declaration, or it can come like this. God, I, I just, I receive the Lord Jesus as my Savior. Well, you just called him Lord. So you entered the Christian life by these two principles. You believed in your heart and you said it with your mouth. Well, when you did that, you entered the faith life because our, our whole life is governed by those two things that, that, which are the two, two hinges, if you want to say it, uh, by which faith operates. The door of faith swings on those two hinges of believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth. Amen. You entered that faith life and you signed on to it. You signed on to the faith life when you got saved. That's how we live. And if you're not continuing that in, in, in daily applications, if you're not living by faith where your emotions are concerned, where your finances are concerned, where your family is concerned, where your uh, service to God is concerned, where your heart is concerned, your attitude toward everything we do, every step we take in life, there is a component, there is a, 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 an element of it that we need to believe God. Now, I don't need to believe God to be able to put my shoes on, but I have to believe God for my shoes. I have to believe God for my, for my sustenance, for the things I need. Amen. If I'm going to enjoy the blessing of God in my life, it's going to take active, intentional, on purpose, specific, can I say it any better? <laughs> Actions of faith. Now, let's look at this passage for a minute. Well, before I do that, let me just, let me just, let me back that up, what I just said. Go to Ephesians chapter two. And then, then we'll go to the next point. Ephesians chapter two, I don't wanna miss this. Now, everybody who's been saved very long knows this passage, Ephesians two, verse eight and verse nine. For by grace... You have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it, salvation, is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now look at verse, verse eight again. By grace, you have been saved through faith. This just backs up what I've just said a minute ago. You came into this life in Christ one way and one way only, and that was through faith. Now, it was grace that offered it to you. 
The grace of God is what provided salvation. Jesus, by the grace of God, laid down his life. He gave up everything to give us everything. So he provided a full and complete redemption. That's the grace of God. But grace without faith won't profit you. That's why you have people all over the world today who are the grace of God. God has, the Bible says the grace of God has appeared to all men. But a lot of people aren't enjoying the, the benefits of it or not saved because they don't put faith in it. Well, you did. When you were saved, you exercised faith and you were saved through that faith. Well, why wouldn't we, why would we think that we can then just go through life and, and just, it's hard to, it's hard to, to describe sometimes the way the natural mind will trick you into that, well, I can just come to church and, and I'm pretty good. You know, if you don't have a lot of problems, it's easy to, to not trust in God. But I don't care who you are. If you're not living by faith, you are, I don't care how nice you have it. I don't care how comfortable your, your uh, uh, status is of life or your, or your um, uh, 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 standard of living is. You might have plenty of money and be in pretty good health. But if you're not, if you're not taking the principles of the New Testament and on purpose acting on them, you're, you're falling far short of what God has for you because money's not enough. Money is not the answer to everything. Health, as important as it is, is not enough. In your personal relationship and walk with God, there are areas that you need to deal with. There are things you need to overcome. There are things that are not, I don't care how, I don't care how comfortable you are, there are things in your life that aren't right. If you're not living by faith, if you're just kind of going, oh, you know, I've just got a good life and, you know, I like it and, and, uh, I just like coming to church. I like the singing and I, I believe in the doctrine. Uh, but that's about as far as it goes. You're, there, I can, it wouldn't take long to uh, nose around a little bit. And I guarantee you there'd be a lot of areas where you're not pleasing God because you're not living by faith. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, excuse me, Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, verse number 17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just, now who are the just? Come on now. What does it just mean? The righteous. The righteous. The, the people who are born again. Now, if you're already just, if you're already righteous, if you've already been made righteous, you're already born again, what are you living by faith for? There must be more out there besides your basic righteousness or else you wouldn't have to be living by faith for it. The ones who are already saved, who are already a child of God, who are already in the family of God, still live by faith. 
live by faith. And this, and this, uh, this statement, the just shall live by faith, is from the Old Testament. And I like it in the Old Testament, in Habakkuk. I, like, I just like the way it's worded, and at least in the, in the New King James. It says, the just shall live by his faith. And something about that makes it far more personal. In other words, it's something that, that, that I, ha- that I am, am enabled to do with my own faith. And then this, the just shall live by, by faith is found three times. That statement's found three times in the New Testament. It's found over in Galatians 3 and Hebrews chapter 10. We won't look at them, but you can. Now, let's go back to 2 Corinthians again. And let's look at the other part of this verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now this is a huge, this, these other words are, are tremendous. There's this, the rest of this verse really explains what it means to live by faith. You know, you can find out what something is by finding out what it isn't. When you know with certain things that you, you can you can sometimes assume things are, but whenever you get understanding of what something isn't, it really opens your eyes. And that's what this verse does for us. For us, we walk by faith, not by sight. Now I pointed out to you in, in an earlier session that when this talks about not living by sight, you understand, of course, it's not just talking about about the the, the simple. Uh, ability to see with your natural eyes. It's talking about the five senses because there's things that you you can see but you can't hear but the things that you can hear you can't see and both of those sight and hearing can give you the same information. And there are things that you can see and hear but you can't feel. There are things you can feel that you can neither see nor hear. And there's smell and taste. We have five senses. So this is really talking about not living by, we walk by by faith, not by our five senses. In other words, not by what we see and perceive in the natural realm. I'm gonna say that again. Living by faith is living independently or independent of what we feel and see around us. Now, let's put this in the, in the context of this passage. Let's start in verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, margin of my Bible says physical body, that's what it's talking about. For we know that if our earthly house, physical body, if this tent, older King James says, I think tabernacle, is, destro- is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house from God. There, there's a heavenly body. He, we know that if our earthly body is destroyed, we have a heavenly body from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our house, our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked for we who are in this tent grown being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed. See, we're, it's not, they're, they're, the Christian has a longing 
to, to go to heaven. The Christian has a longing. It's, it, it's in our hearts. God put eternity in our hearts. Now, that doesn't mean you're, you're, you're interested in going this morning. But there is, there is a longing because this physical body is a hindrance to us. But we don't want to be bodiless. We want a heavenly body. I like the way it says this. I don't know, there's something about the rest of verse number four that just thrills the inside of me. But further clothe that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Does that do anything for you? Man, that rings my chimes. I'm telling you, mortality swallowed up by life. I'm looking forward to that day when mortality is just swallowed up by life, just swallowed up. That's awaiting us. That's going to be glorious. And that's the thing that, that we are in earnest anticipation of. And it causes some trouble sometimes because we can get homesick. You have to be real careful about that too. Now he goes on to say, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. He has prepared us for what? Mortality being swallowed up by life. Oh, I just have to say it again. Mortality swallowed up by life. Whoo, glory. Man, you're not getting it like I am, I'm telling you. <laughs> now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee or as a down payment. So we are now here, now here we're gonna get into it. We are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, see, when we're, when we're in the body, we're, we're at home here. We're at home in the body. We, who's we? The man on the inside, the real you. That you we can't see each other. We can see your, your uh, variously looking bodies. We can <laughs> be careful here. <laughs> That's all we can see. But there's a person on the inside. That person on the inside is at home in the body, but we're absent from the Lord. So we are always confident that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Let's, let's skip verse seven for just a minute. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I, I say this sometimes when, when uh, at funerals uh, or when somebody passes away, we, we've had traditions in our culture. When somebody dies, we say, well, we lost so-and-so. I remember I had an aunt one time that, that passed away. She was fairly young. She was in her 30s or 40s, if I remember. I was a little boy. And she died of cancer. And the fam she went through terrible times, suffering. And, and my mom's family, there was a lot of the brothers and sisters and all the you know, nieces and nephews and a lot of people up at the hospital. And when she finally died... You know, it had, been, it had been several weeks and in particular right there at the end, several days of just intense round-the-clock, you know, 
being at her bedside. And when she died, you know, we, we all left that night. It was, it was, you know, at night around 9 or 10 o'clock. And we stopped by uh, uh, Crystal to get some, because there wasn't much open, to get something to eat. And one of my aunts saw a friend that she hadn't seen in a long time. Well, how you doing? And, and my aunt said, well, we lost our sister tonight. So that was, that's a common uh, expression and sentiment. Well, we've lost somebody. Because they're absent from here. I remember, I don't know if they still do this so much. In, in, uh, people don't send flower arrangements as much as they used to. The old days. Everybody, everybody, you wouldn't come to a funeral without having a flower array, you know, and the whole front of the church would be covered with flowers. And there would be a, a circular wreath and then part of it missing, you know, because that person's missing. They're gone. They're missing. They're missing. The reality is we're missing. While we're here, we're missing from there. Did you know there is a book of life in heaven and your name is in it? And, and beside your name, it's missing. Scott, missing. Karen, missing. We're missing. See, that's our real homeland. Now, see, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. That's where I was born. I was raised. I spent the first 27 years of my life there. And I still like to go to Jacksonville. I don't like the traffic. But I, I like to go because it, it's home. Now, I've lived over here for 40 years, and this is my home as well now, more of my home. But I have a history there, and, and it's where, where you, well, that's my home. That's where I'm from. And, and there's an, uh, uh, an, uh, uh, a sense of belonging. Well, we are not from here at all. Our, only in our natural lives are we from here. When we were born again, the, where it says, where Jesus said you must be born again, that word again is not really again. In the Greek, it says above. You need, Jesus said you must be born from above. It's not, it's not a chronological birth. It's a, it's a source of birth. Jesus said you must be born from above. Then he did say, you know, and Nicodemus said, can you enter in second time? You, you know, so there, the word again was used. But technically, Jesus said you must be born from above. When we're born again, we're born from above. That's our home and we're missing. We're absent. So all of us are the ones who are absent and when one of us leaves, they're home. Okay. Now notice how he, how he phrases it. Right between these two verses, verse six and seven, he says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. What does that have to do with that? We, we, we very often just kind of take that verse out of its setting, but let's put it back in its setting. To believe what I just said, you have to be mindful of another reality. You have to be aware of a truth, of a reality, of a realm that you cannot see. You've never been to heaven. There is an awareness on the inside of you that heaven is real. It's a place 
Jesus is there at the right hand of the Father. The, there, there are seraphim and, 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 and cherubim and all of the creatures and the heavenly host. And we have people that we've loved and, and known have, that are there at that place. It's a real place. It's beyond what you can see. It's beyond the sense realm. It's outside of anything you can touch or feel or smell or hear. It's in a place where you have to just believe it. The just, the righteous live by that kind of faith. And we are to walk by faith, not by sight. And in the context, it is the, 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 the sight that we're not to walk by is what we can see around here in this earthly body. We're to, we're to walk by faith in that other realm, the realm of heaven. We're walking by faith toward that realm. I see it. I see it. Not with these eyes, but with the eyes of faith. I see it. Amen. Though I've never been there, I can't describe it to you. I can see it by my faith. It's real. That same principle, a principle applies to every promise of God, not just heaven. The faith life, walking by faith, is walking in, in Hebrews 11, chapter 1, where it says, faith is now the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of, of things not seen. Moffat's translation, if I remember correctly, Moffat's version says, Faith means that we are confident of what we hope for. Now listen, convinced of what we do not see. Convinced of what we do not see. That's what Paul was talking about. We are confident. We are willing. We are, we rather want to be at home with the Lord and absent from the body. Why? Because we're confident of what we do not see. Well, when God gives you a promise, when God puts a, a, a provision in the word of God or has put provision in the word of God for some aspect of redemption that, and, and, and uh, uh, benefit that belongs to you today that you, 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 there's no evidence of it in your life, the walk by faith sees it. The only way you can see it is to stop looking at your circumstances. And see, that's the hardest thing to get grieving people, Christians, to do is to stop feeling sorry for themselves. Now, listen, the loss is real. I understand it. I've dealt with it. We all have. It's real. But there's no help in grieving about it. It doesn't help. Help comes from putting your attention over there and realizing they're finally home. I'm the one. I'm the one who's missing in action. They're home. If I can get people who've lost a, a precious loved one to see that, it just brings a, it just brings daylight into the scene. Yeah, they still miss that person. They know there's adjustments in life ahead. Uh, you know, uh, my wife and I have been married for 50 years this, this summer. 50 years. Now, if something happened to my wife and she went to heaven, that would be tough. I mean, I would miss her every day because we're, we're together all the time. And, and 
I, I wouldn't want to have, I don't want to have to deal with that. That's not going to be something that I'm looking forward to. But I know how to cope should it happen. The way to cope is to no longer look at things that are seen, but at things that are not seen. And by living by faith trains me to not look at the natural realm, but look at the supernatural realm. To stop looking at circumstances and how it appears, and not even appears, how it is in the, there are things that are in the natural. If you've got some kind of a terrible debilitating disease in your body, that is in your body. We don't deny that. But living by faith is seeing something that other people don't see. Living by faith is in not by sight, not by natural sight, but another kind of sight, the sight of faith. You're looking at, but he bore my sicknesses and he carried my pains. And by his stripes, I have been healed, praise God. See, the life of faith lives by something that norm, ordinary, natural man, start to say normal, natural man cannot see. Natural man cannot see. But we're not natural. Oh, praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Faith sees another realm of reality. Amen. Praise God. It's true where salvation is concerned. That's how you got saved. That's how you got saved. You believed something from another world. You believed a truth that was presented to you of another realm altogether beyond the natural realm. It's nothing natural about being born again. It's nothing of this life involved. And you believed in it. And you, you put your faith in it. The same thing is, it happens where healing is concerned. You simply put your faith in what you cannot see because God said it. That becomes your foundation. If God said it, then it is true. If God said it, he will back it up. If he's promised, he is faithful to do it. Go over to the fourth chapter of Second Corinthians. Verse number 17 and 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Have you found it? Verse number 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. Ooh, glory but the things which are not seen are eternal. There are things, you know, you've heard, if you've been around here, you've heard me say it. I looked up the word thing in the dictionary and I found out a thing is that which exists. That's what a thing is, something that exists. We do not look at the things 
that which exists that you can see. We look at the things which exist that you can't see. For the things, the existing things that you can see, taste, touch, feel, hear, are temporary, but the real things. There is an existence in the realm of the spirit, in the heavenly realm. The promises of God are all in that realm. Whatever God promised you, whatever uh, provision God's made for the, for the saint in the new covenant, the reality of that is in, is in the heavenly realm. Those things exist. Not only that, they're eternal. <laughs> they're eternal. They're never going to stop. Listen, things in this, your circumstances that give you so much trouble when you're trying to believe God, those circumstances are going to change. They are temporary. Now, it might not seem like they're going to change. The devil will tell you they're never going to change. It's always going to be this way. It's always going to be hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's temporary. But the promise of God is eternal. The truth, the truth of God is eternal. It will never change and it will always be true. Glory to God. So when your body is racked with pain, that would be a bad circumstance. You've got a condition the doctors have told you that's incurable. That's a circumstance that is subject to change. But then you look at the scripture that says himself bore my sicknesses, carried my pains. Surely, surely he did. Surely he bore my sicknesses and carried my infirmities. By, surely by his stripes, I was healed. It's a choice of what you're gonna look at. What are you gonna give attention to? Are you going to give attention to to the very vocal, (laughs) the very intense symptoms of of this body and of what the doctors told you and how real that seems? You're going to give attention to that? Are you going to say, no, Jesus said I'm healed. So I'm believing that. I believe I'm healed. Where the Holy Spirit's concerned. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes the same way. I remember when I when I was uh, wanting to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'd you know I had been raised in a Pentecostal church, but not been spirit filled. And so when I backslid, and I came back to the Lord. You know, in my early twenties, or around twenty, uh, you know, I wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I knew that when you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, according to the Scripture, you'll speak with other tongues. And so they would give an invitation, you know, to come for prayer, whatever, you know, it wasn't specifically for the Holy Spirit, whatever you wanted, you know. And I'd come, you know, down to the front and we'd gather around the front and pray. And I wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I would pray, now, Lord, you said that, that this is a gift. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said, this gift is to you, your children, as many as are afar off and as many as the Lord calls. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming and I'm ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And I would, I would go this far. I would say, I receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for it. I got it. Thank you. Then I would wait for God to do something with my tongue. I would expect some, some kind of wave. You know, to come on me some kind of power to descend on me and in rapturous expressions, I would just, this, other tongues would just begin to flow out of me and I, sort of as a bystander, nothing happened. Absolutely nothing. And, and that, not in that sense. Something happened, but I wasn't trained to, to, to see what it was. I'm waiting for God to do it. I'm waiting for God to, in, in the Pentecostal church, we had testimony services on Wednesday night. And uh, people would testify of their experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and I heard people say, yeah, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I tell you what, the power of God fell on me. And I fell out under the power of God and I came to 30 minutes later up under the piano bench in the, up in the, on the, in the choir speaking with other tongues. Somebody else said, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, God's power came and I saw like a shaft of light from heaven just came down upon me and exploded in my life and I ran around the church and didn't even know what I was doing and I found out I was speaking with other tongues. People gave testimonies like that. Now, I found out later when I was 20, after I had been filled with the Holy Spirit, I started asking around some of the old timers. Now, tell me your experience. And I, and I would mention some of these experiences like that. And I found out that those experiences were rare. They were rare. Most people didn't have an experience like that at all, but that didn't make good testimonies. <laughs> The good testimonies were the shaft of light that came down and the angels singing and being under the piano bench. Those were the, those were the testimonies and everybody would shout and praise God, sister so-and-so. I remember that I was there. Everybody would get excited, but it was like 1% of the people that happened to. And so I'm kind of waiting for something like that. You know, I'm looking for, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go under the piano bench. I'll do whatever you want me to do. You know, just completely humiliate me. I don't care. <laughs> I want to be filled with the Spirit. And the only thing I had, which I wasn't told to, to, to look for, was down on the inside of me, there was just an awareness, something in here, just stirring on the inside and wanting to come up into, into vocal expression. That's all I, but I didn't, I thought the Holy Ghost was going to do it. I thought the Holy Spirit would speak with it because that's what they said. You go around to the altar, you know, and people would gather around you to pray if they knew you were seeking the Holy Spirit and they'd say, yield to the Holy Spirit, yield your tongue, let him speak, brother, let him speak. Somebody's in your face, spitting in your face, let him speak, brother, let him speak. <laughs> Turn loose, somebody's beating on your back. Hold on, brother, hold on. Yeah, turn loose and hold on. And it was a circus. I'm telling you, if you miss some of that, you miss something. 
And so I'm, I'm trying to turn loose and hold on and let him speak and yield my tongue. I even got, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I would go to the altar and, and after I, re- I believe I'd received this, cause I, this, I, I'd go away and nothing happened. And I got to the place I'm in the altar where they said, yield your tongue to the Holy Ghost. I literally did this. I let my tongue hang out. I'm telling you, I did. I'm yielding my tongue. Take my tongue, do something with it. All the time, just down right here on the inside, I had a sense of some syllables, but nobody told me I had to speak them. So I would be all thrilled that I'd received and after about 10 minutes of waiting, then I'd go back to my seat and I, sometimes I'd, I'd stay in faith halfway back to my seat. Once, maybe or twice, all the way back to my seat. But not long after I got my seat, I thought, well, I didn't get anything. Well, it was there all the time. What was I doing? I was looking in the sight realm. I was wanting something to happen physically. And it finally, I finally made up my mind. I went forward one, one Sunday night and I said, I... I'm going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit tonight. And I believed, I received, and I, I went there as a formality. I got up, went back to my seat, and I said, now God, longest day I live, I will believe I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's mine. It's mine. I just made up my mind. It's mine. And I went that way for about a week until... I, I finally realized, wait a minute. There's, I've got this, I've got this uh, unction. There's something bubbling up on the inside of me. Maybe I ought to just say those words. Maybe I ought to just speak what's, what's coming up on the inside. And you know, as soon as I did, it was just like a, it was like a flowing stream began to flow out of me. I could have done that weeks before. But I'm trying to give up and hold on and turn in and turn around and all these genetic. What was that? That's all in the natural realm. You got to get out of the natural realm and put faith in God and what he said. I, if, if Somebody, I think in that week, somebody in that week told me, you know, the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues. Oh, they began to speak. Then I realized, well, that's what, that's what God's been trying to get me to do, is speak. Can you see that we live, we walk by faith, not by the, not by the physical senses, not by, not by the things of this earthly realm. And it'll work where your healing's concerned, it'll work where your finances are concerned, it'll work where, where answers, just general answers to prayer, they, they all come the same way. Faith works the same in every realm. If you're saved, you've done it. If you're saved, you've done this before. <laughs> you've done this before. You can do it again. It won't work any differently. Amen. Hallelujah. You believe in a reality, a realm of reality that's outside of this natural realm. Oh, glory to God. 
Well, let's stand up. Praise God. Michael's coming, so we have to stand up now. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Nothing like putting the pointers on you. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.